couple of things to think about. Um, so I've worked with buyers in the past who they think um, I have to, I have to have it all or get it all, whatever it is in their head, right? They have to have all the pieces in order to be happy. And so one of the things to think about when you're, let's say, let's say you've gotten into the process and you're working with an agent and you're showing, going to showings and you're walking through is to just be, be realistic about wherever you are, right? So whether it's financially or where you are in your stage of life. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Successful-ish podcast. I'm Sarah Michelle, and today in the studio, I'm hanging out with my good friend, Shamai Rivera, who is a realtor with Keller Williams and specialized in helping her community find their first and forever homes. So Shamai, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am so excited um, to talk to Shamai because I know that real estate is one of those sort of grown up things. It's one of those big steps into feeling like an adult that we all sort of know um, that it happens, but I don't feel like there's any real training or preparation. It's sort of one of those things that we all have to figure out on our first time through. So I'm excited for her to share some tips about how to start that process and be more successful in finding our first home. And then once we learn from that and are ready to grow, how we can find our forever home. But before I dive into that, Shamai, what is something that you failed at this week? That's a great question. Probably a million things. <laughs> uh, but the first one that comes to mind when thinking about something I set out to do and then didn't do was wake up early and before starting to work the day, get a run in. And I know Sarah uh, and I have spoken numerous times about my uh, running obsession, but I run every single day and uh, I'm going to run at some point. That is always the plan. I run every day, um, a couple of hundred days in, but I have been wanting to do it before work and didn't make it happen once. I mean, no judgment on my end for that. Um, Shamaya and I are such opposites when it comes to that. And I have such admiration for just the way that you get out and run every day. And I still have PTSD from trying to run a mile in middle school. Um, and I know Shamaya and I have been lucky enough to travel together several times on various business trips. And we are so opposite where she's waking up at 5, 6 a.m. to go exercise and start her day with a smile on her face and hello, good morning, and life is great. And I am passed out sleeping and cursing at anything that dares look at me before I have coffee. And I'm up at, you know, 9, 10, 11 at night saying, woohoo, <laughs> let's party, let's go drink, let's go find something to do, let's explore. And she's passed out. Um, and somehow our friendship has still survived. But coffee. That's why our friendship survives coffee. Yes, yes, coffee and grace, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your life and your successful story. 
Yeah. So I am, as Sarah said, a realtor with Keller Williams. And that's one of the things that I do. And I'm sure a number of people listening to this, they've got a hundred things going on in life. Um, but real estate is the thing that I am focusing on and working to grow. And so in terms of getting into real estate, I was very lucky to grow up with a mother that she had a real estate license, but she sold one house before I was born. And when I was in middle school, she actually started working with a nonprofit in Lowell in the town I grew up in that uh, supports and educates uh, first-time homebuyers. It's a first-time homebuyer program. And she worked there for a couple of, almost two decades. And when I was in high school, she made me take the class, even though obviously at you know 16, I wasn't buying a house. Um, in most states, you have to be at least 18 in order to purchase a home. Uh, but taking that class was an eye-opener for me, uh, just understanding the real estate process. It's complicated. There's lots of steps. And so like Sarah said, right, you don't grow up knowing how to purchase a home. That's not something that people talk about all that often. Usually you do it once, maybe twice. Some people do it a, a number of times, um, but you're not doing it every single year, right? You're not doing it every other year. It's not something you're doing all the time. So if you've purchased a home the second time, you don't remember everything. The third time, you don't remember everything, right? Um, and then my older sister started selling real estate. So it's always been in my family and around me. Uh, I was lucky enough to take that same first time home buyers class a second time <laughs> when I was 25. And uh, with the assistance of my sister bought a home. So I went through the process. Then I got a real estate license. That's awesome. Uh, and you actually bought a second home at some point, right? You also rent out as an investment. So that's the home that I purchased. I own a multifamily. Okay. So I don't own I, own, I own the one, but it is a three family home. And so I, and at, at first I was living in it and now I rent out all three units as an investment. And my goal is to purchase one to maybe two more homes, whether they're multifamily or single family. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about being a first time home buyer. What are some things that we should keep in mind when we're thinking about buying our first home? Because it is, I think that sometimes the process seems so complicated. I know for many of us, we sort of pre-disqualify ourselves from even considering purchasing. And we think that renting is the only option. And once you actually understand what goes into purchasing a home and building up equity and all of that, a lot of times you can actually save money by investing in a mortgage rather than rent. And it's, it's a better decision for many people. Uh, it's just about understanding the process. So where should we start if we're looking at pursuing that goal? So there are a number of places that you can technically start, right? So thinking like, if you're going to purchase a home, you want to make sure that the place you're purchasing a home is a place you want to be living for at least some amount of time, right? I wouldn't recommend you go out to Ohio and just buy a house, right? I would recommend if you're moving to Ohio, look around, explore some neighborhoods, figure out what types of things you want to be around, right? Do you want to be in a city? Do you want to be in a more rural area? Uh, but if you already live somewhere and let's say you are renting and you know you like it, um, that that's a good thing to know before you actually purchase a home. In terms of the actual process, the first step in the process is to get pre-approved to work with a mortgage lender. And so there are a couple of types of mortgage lenders. You can work with a traditional bank, you can work with a credit union, or you can actually work with a mortgage company uh, where the only thing they do is mortgages. 
uh, loans for homes. Um, and so that is the first step. Uh, you'll, you'll probably notice and people will say, oh, I want to buy a house. And so they've been all over Zillow. They've been all over, you know, realtor.com. They're, you know, they're always checking out the sites, which is great. It's good to kind of have an idea of what you like, but until you get that pre-approval, until you know financially what you're buying power is, you don't want to spend too much time falling in love with a home that potentially you couldn't purchase. Right. Yeah, that's important to go go take that first step and know what options you have to be looking at and then to start exploring. And on the other side of that, there's a lot of, like you mentioned, first-time homebuyer programs where you can put very little down on a down payment or sometimes nothing down on a down payment, which was something that surprised me. And so it's just helpful to go look. There's generally no cost to that consultation to go talk to that pre-approval and just find out either what you can attain right now or what you want to work towards. If you know that there's something that you're looking at, they can sort of help you figure out what you need to plan on and how much you need to earmark and save. What was something that you learned through that process, either buying your first home or through walking other people through their first home that you wish you had known earlier or that you would have done differently? Yeah, that's a great, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of things I might've done differently, right? I was 25 when I purchased my first home. It's a couple of years back now, but uh, thinking about the process when you are going through pre-approval, when you are selecting a realtor, when you are choosing an attorney, uh, picking a company to help you with, uh, actually doing a home inspection, right, to figure out, you know, a little bit about the bones of the property, you want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with a team, people that you will actually partner with, and, because you're going to be working with these people throughout the process. Um, when I work with my buyers and my sellers with real estate. I'm talking to them throughout the whole thing, right? I'm, I'm meeting with them on the weekends. I'm showing them houses. I'm, I connect with their lender. I speak with their attorney. Um, I'm speaking with the other agent that's on the other side of the transaction. Um, so I'm doing a lot of the coordinating. And if we don't really like each other, like we just don't get along, we don't just mesh very well, it's probably going to be a really long process, whether it takes 45 days or three months or however long, sometimes it can take a couple of months to find the right home, right? And put in an offer or get it accepted, go through the process, takes a while. Um, so really making sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that you, um, can have that business relationship with. Um, most of my buyers, I find I become friends with because I'm a friendly person. Um, yeah. And so that really build, uh, surrounding yourself with a team. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many people involved in that process. And I think one of the things for me that has scared me in the past from purchasing a home is that I have a little bit of the travel bug, the adventure bug. I like to be able to move around. I like to be able to move if I end up with a terrible neighbor. I like that. <laughs> I like that I don't have committed roots. I like that I can go from place to place. And that is something that has prevented me from purchasing in the past. But the advantage to purchasing is that you can't always sell when you decide that you're ready. If you decide that you only want to be there for a starter home, um, which is a concept that I never really understood when I was younger, I sort of thought, as a kid, I watched my parents purchase these terrible rental properties and we would flip them. And as an adult, I understand. And I now willingly watch this stuff on HGTV. But as a kid, 
I hated it. It was hours in Home Depot and never getting to paint my room any fun colors because we had to keep it sellable. And I just did not understand why we would buy a home that we were not going to spend forever in. Um, but purchasing a home can be a really great way to build equity and it can be a financial investment. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? What is equity? How does that work? And what are the advantages of purchasing a home over renting a home? Yeah. So this is great, right? This is a really cool question. So what equity is in your home is every time you pay your rent, right? You're renting, you're paying somebody else's mortgage. You're helping them build equity in their own house, meaning that so when they pay their mortgage to their lender, they own, truly own that much more of the home. Because when you have that mortgage, really the bank owns your home, right? Um, so when I bought my house, you know, the you put a little bit of, you, not a little, you put money down when you purchase your home. And so you own that amount of your house and the bank owns the rest. And then every time you pay your mortgage, you own a little bit more and a little bit more. And when you get closer to the end of the mortgage, however long, whether you get a 15 year mortgage or a 30 year mortgage, each payment, you actually it ends up being a little bit quicker. You own more and more and more of it every time you make a payment. So you actually um, more into the uh, principal versus paying into the interest of the mortgage. That's the technicality of it. Um, and so the benefit is obviously every time you're paying as a homeowner, you're building that equity. And so um, I'm not a financial advisor, but there are some financial benefits to building equity. So let's say like your parents, every time they um, would purchase and they would flip, ideally they would make more money, right? So they're buying houses for less, flipping them for more. They're building up all that equity and they're building credit with banks. And you know there are financial benefits to that. Um, I'm not a financial advisor. So definitely get one if you're trying to figure out what financially makes the most sense for you. Um, but that's why equity is good. So there's a good and a bad to renting, right? So the nice thing about when you're renting is that if, you know, the roof falls off, it's the homeowner's yep. business to fix it. When you're the homeowner, when the roof goes, or, you know, more realistically, the water heater breaks, the heating system's busted, you know, something's wrong with the pilot in the stove has happened to me. Okay. I actually had two water heaters break in my three family within a month of buying the home. I purchased it. Two weeks uh -huh. later, a water heater went. Three weeks later, the second water heater went. Uh, good news, I have th two new water heaters, right? They're probably not going to go for a long time. But Although theoretically, and to play devil's advocate, I have had landlords in the past. Well, sure. <laughs> it is their technical responsibility to take care of these things. A good point. Uh, it is not their priority. Whereas if it was my home, I would sure. be able to do something about it much quicker. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. definitely two sides to that coin. For sure. Absolutely. So from the landlord side of things, and let's talk a little bit about using it as an investment. So as a landlord, you purchased the space and then you rent it out and they pay your mortgage. What are some ways that that has helped set you up to be more successful in life? Yeah. So thinking about my particular situation, right? Everybody's different, but I have this goal of retiring by the time I'm 45. And I say that, and I'm a little nervous to say that right, out loud to the world listening to this, but it's true. That's something that I decided a couple of years ago. 
and um, my multifamily and my real estate business are the two biggest ways that I'm going to get there. And so right now I do have another job. I have a, a full-time corporate job, um, but I'm working to grow this business so that I can have both flexibility, but then also financial freedom. And again, my multifamily is part of that financial freedom. So being a landlord is not the easiest thing in the world. You have to deal with people. You can't always guarantee you're going to have the most respectful people living in your home. People can, they damage homes. Most of the time when somebody moves out and you're renting to someone, you have to repaint the whole place, get it cleaned. Sometimes things have to be fixed, floors, carpeting, all that jazz. But while you have people in there and, and I have good tenants, I'm very happy to say, very lucky to say um, that pay their rent on time. <laughs> And in full, that's a big thing, right? Um, between that and my income from real estate, I can more than cover all of my monthly expenses. Technically, I could, you know, as long as I have my real estate consistently coming in, I don't actually need my corporate job. I'm using my corporate job as a safety net, um, but in the near future, I would like to not because I have that income coming in. Now I still have the mortgage to pay every single month. And there's, you have homeowner's insurance and um, as expenses happen, but I, about once a year, I take some of that extra income because um, I have more rent coming in than there is mortgage to pay. And I proactively fix something. So when I first moved in, the biggest thing I needed to fix was the roof. So for 30 years, I'm not going to have to replace the roof because I already replaced it. Um, I just replaced a heating system on one of the floors. So that's going to be good for a very long time. And so it's, I'm not fixing everything all at the same time. I'm, I'm taking that extra income coming in and I'm fixing things as I go so that, you know, I'm not <laughs> completely destitute. Um, and then of course, at some point, someday, I won't have a mortgage because I will have paid the mortgage off, but the rental will still be coming in the income. Absolutely. So I, I do want to ask about the moving from first and forever homes, but I want to take a little bit of a rabbit trail detour for a second, because I think that one thing I love about the way that you've created success in your life is that you are pulling from multiple streams. And it's interesting that particularly in the business culture, when I started my own business, I sort of ran into these preconceived ideas that in order to be successful, you had to be in one lane or you weren't really successful. And I let that hold me back a lot. I felt a lot of shame that I couldn't say, oh, I'm just full-time business owner. And this is the one lane that all of my revenue comes in and I'm killing it through this one thing. And I felt a little bit of shame in saying, well, but I also work at a gym and I also, you know, sell this direct sales thing. And I also, you know, babysit and do one-off <laughs> jobs. But I think that actually the most successful people, when we read about what sort of makes them them, some of the most successful people have multiple streams of revenue. And even when we look at gazillionaires, if you look at any of the, for example, the celebrities that are on Shark Tank and you look at their portfolio, they're building different businesses. Their hands are in a million different things, almost to the point where they don't even have one thing. Their one thing that they're known for is for having their hands in a million <laughs> different things. 
And I love that you have created this life for yourself where you you're in real estate. You're also a landlord. You run a nonprofit group. You have a corporate job. You have all these different things going on. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you find balance in that and how you've sort of been able to pull together your roadmap with combining all these different pieces of your passions and skills? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So in terms of finding balance, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a little silly, but the first thing I actually thought of is um, I got once sent a picture uh, or not a picture, I'm sorry, like a a meme, right? Where it said, the premise of it is basically, it's like riding a bike and the bike is on fire and everything's on fire. (laughs) And sometimes that's how my life feels, except I thrive on that. And and I know it's just kind of silly, but that's what I thought of, right? I actually thought of this image of this thing that got sent to me a couple of years ago. Um, Because I do I feel like I have a lot going on. I wear multiple hats, right? Um, But having multiple streams of income, it's actually, so I write every day in a journal of things that I want to make happen, um, 10 things that I made happen um, as if they've already happened. And one of them is to have a certain amount of money and residual income coming in every month in order to uh, cover my expenses. And I say residual income income that is working for itself. And the reason I say it like that is because, so I work my corporate job. I'm working my real estate job. Owning a home is a job. Actually being a landlord is like a job, but as much as I can, I want to build up those income streams where I'm not having to work as hard at them. Right. I, I, I did the work in my, in my early years so that then the money is coming in consistently without me having to feed it as much, right? I still have to do the work. It, you know, if I, if I stop feeding it, it will die. Plant will die, right? Um, but that's something that my mother drilled into me my whole life. Even though we didn't, you know, my parents, we didn't grow up with a ton. That idea of being able to own a multifamily. And I have siblings that will never own multifamily. I actually have a sister, one of them who said, no, I am not going to be a landlord. I don't want that life. I don't want that lifestyle. And so her and her husband purchased their first home and it is their forever home. They are like, they're going to live there forever. They have the right number of bedrooms, the right number of bathrooms, the two car garage, they're happy. And they, and, and that's it. So she didn't buy a condo. She didn't buy a multifamily. She didn't buy a tiny single family. She bought the house they're going to live in with their kids and their grandkids and all of the above, you know, whatever happens. Um, But growing up, my mother would say things like that. She would talk about how wealthy people, the people that have figured it out, have multiple streams of income. They have residual income coming in month over month. And so um, with me, with my, I've got my corporate job. I've got my real estate, as you mentioned, I do volunteer regularly in the community. I work with a nonprofit that I used to call it my full-time unpaid job. Um, I think that put some people off in the volunteer world, but that's what it felt like. It was a full-time job. I just wasn't being paid for it, but it was, it is something I'm passionate about. It's an educational nonprofit. And that's something I'm passionate about. Um, But the, with the real estate, you know, one of the things that I actually recently started doing same, similar to the running, I run every day. Mm-hmm. I do something, something, whether it's a teeny tiny little something or a really big something like this feel to me that what we're doing now feels like a big something. I do something every single day to positively impact my real estate business. 
and I write it down that I'm going to do it. And then when I do it, I check it off as a reminder to myself that that's my, that's where I'm going. I'm going, real estate is going to become my full-time thing. And if I'm not doing at least one thing every day towards it, I'm not being the successful person I want to be. And if I can do at least one thing every day, that is success. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not going to turn around and sell 30 houses tomorrow. It's not possible. But as long as I'm working in my business, I will get to the point where I'm selling 30 plus houses a year. Absolutely. There's so much wisdom in that, just in, in having multiple revenue streams and nothing, there's no such thing as true security or safety when it comes to finances. And I think that for many, the temptation or the thought is, oh, I'll just kill it at this one thing. I'll have this giant nest egg and then I can kick my heels up and relax. And that's just not the reality. Life can change in a minute. I think we've seen that with COVID. We've seen that with all kinds of different things. And even in terms of financial security with our vocation, you know, a lot of times as a business owner, I had this idea that I needed to have some kind of a full-time corporate job and that needed to be my financial security. Yeah, it was something that I noticed with, with COVID, I was watching so many different people get laid off from their positions. And I was very thankful that I, I had this alternative ability to make income. I had an alternative to be able to find income. And I was looking at the people who were, were able to pull themselves through had those multiple streams. So I think knowing that is really smart, but also not just pulling whatever revenue streams there are, but being intentional about knowing who we are, what our energy is, what we're into. And like you said, not everyone is going to want to be a landlord. For some people, that's not going to be worth it. And for other people, that's a great investment. And being able to recognize what our energy cycle is and what we enjoy and to be able to take the tools that pull from the pieces that we are inherently and naturally good at and being able to build success on that, I think is ultimately what can set us up for better success. So when you're working with your clients and you're helping them sort of navigate the starter home or upsizing, downsizing, what do you think some of the differences are between a first and forever home? And what are some things that we should be keeping in mind, knowing that we very well may be purchasing more than a couple homes in our life? Yeah, a couple of things to think about. Um, so I've worked with buyers in the past who they think, um, I have to, I have to have it all or get it all, whatever it is in their head, right? They have to have all the pieces in order to be happy. And so one of the things to think about when you're, let's say, let's say you've gotten into the process and you're working with an agent and you're showing, going to showings and you're walking through is to just be, be realistic about wherever you are, right? So whether it's financially or where you are in your stage of life, you know, I would love to have, you know, the four bedrooms and the, and the three and a half bathrooms and the two car garage, a kitchen, you know, that we could show on the food network, but realistically today in my life, even, even as a realtor, I recognize that's not where I am right now. And so I am more of in, in my stage of life, I am the, the owner of the one multifamily with a goal to buy another for that income. 
And then maybe someday <laughs> I will have the, you know, that, that home. And who knows in five or 10 years from now, what I was thinking I wanted today might not be what I want, you know, won't be where I am in that stage of life. And so um, there's also, there are some people that they want the big backyard and they want the land and they want the huge driveway. And then you have the flip side of, you know, buyers that are looking for condos. They don't, they don't do yard work. They don't really care to have big parties where, you know, where they're, I have a big family. So these are the things I think of, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, when you're living in a condo, you're probably not inviting in my mind, the by 20 immediate family members that I have um, into that, you know, for every holiday. So I wouldn't go the condo route. But a condo for some people could be the place that they live forever. There are townhouse style condos. And that's the other thing is there are so many styles of home. You could, you can live in a condominium, like a condo association and your home, physical home could be separated from the, all the other homes. They look like single family homes. I've sold those before. And for some people, that's the lifestyle that they're looking for. I'm sorry, I got a little off track. You were specifically asking about the differences between starter home and forever home. And, and, and I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because you, because of the conversations we've had, you have admitted, right. That you you were assuming you need to buy that home. That's perfect. And has everything in it. Um, But it's also to understand what somebody's looking for and where they are in their stage of life. That's, that's the relationship that I'm building with them because what you might consider a starter home, somebody else might, that might be the home they live in forever. And what you're looking for to be the home, you know, forever could be somebody's stepping stone. And so you had also mentioned earlier about your parents flipping houses, right? Um, that's, that, that's another route buying, fixing up, selling. Um, so even if you decide, the other uh, thing I was thinking of when you said that actually is you could keep your home and rent it. Like I do with my multifamily, there are people that rent their single family home. So if you, you know, you live here in New England, you buy a home, you want to go traipsing around the rest of the country for a year, two, five, ten. people rent out their homes for years at a time. And then they come back and they say, hey, I'm going to, I want to live here again, or I want to sell it and buy something else. There's so many different options and there's so many things to consider with buying a home as well. And I think that speaks to the importance of working with a realtor who you can talk to and have a relationship with. And, you know, I know realtors are a dime a dozen. I think I could, you know, throw a rock and hit one anywhere within five, <laughs> 10, five foot radius. Um, but I think there's something to be said for finding someone who understands your lifestyle and maybe understands the things that aren't necessarily articulated. And one thing that I have learned, uh, a lot of my clients work in the, either in real estate or in construction or just in that world. And they think of things that I would never think about. It's so much more than just going out and finding a house and saying, okay, I like this house. Like you said, you also have to think about, okay, is this house in a neighborhood that I like? Does it fit the lifestyle? Is it conducive to how I want to have this lifestyle? Or am I going to need to do renovations to the house? Or can I do renovations to make this the dream house in the neighborhood I want? Um, there's all kinds of things with the inspections or with finding the right buyer. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's not necessarily the first person who offers you the highest ticket. 
sometimes you have to wait for the right person to purchase the house. And so having a realtor can help you navigate all those different decisions and thinking about where you want to end up. What would you advise someone when they're at that beginning phase of getting ready to, to look into that process? What should they be looking for as they're looking for a realtor? And what are some questions that they should ask before forming that relationship? Yeah. So, um, you hit it right on the head actually. So I think the biggest thing that you should be looking for is somebody that fits your communication style. And so when I'm working with my buyers, you know, a potential buyer, somebody that I'm, you know, going to potentially be working with, I want to make sure that they know how they can get a hold of me, when they can get a hold of me, how generally speaking quickly I can respond to them. I want to set realistic expectations with them so that if they send me a text message at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, they can do that, but I'm probably not going to see it until 6 a.m. the next day because I'm sleeping. Okay. And that has nothing to do with me not wanting to help them purchase a home, right? That's just, I'm not awake at 11 o'clock at night, whereas they might be online, right? Looking for a home at that exact time. So making sure that you understand your communication preferences, their communication preferences, that you can communicate with each other, right? So if I I can't assume I know, you know, I'm speaking with somebody, I'm not going to tell them this is the perfect home for you, but I am going to ask them a ton of questions about what it is they're looking for. So that if I come across a home or a condo or property that seems like it would fit their needs, I can say, this just came on the market. Are you interested? Do you want more information? Can't let's go take a look. Right. Um, the other thing with realtors, with agents is that some of them, so some of them work, they work specific hours, right? They're only available certain days of the week, certain times of the day. And again, that's not necessarily, that doesn't count anybody out, but just making sure that you're open with them and they're open with you about their availability, um, showing you houses on the weekends. Um, you want to make sure that you're asking, I mean, there are so many things that you could ask, right? Um, as a realtor, as somebody that's worked in the business for a long time, I can recommend lenders to my buyers. I can recommend home inspection companies. I can recommend attorneys, right? There are people that I've worked with. I've also had buyers that have said, oh, nope, I already know my attorney. Like, you know, I have somebody connected to my family. I've had buyers come to me already pre-approved, which is totally fine. I've had buyers come to me and say, you know, I've done my taxes, right? What do I do, right? Like they know nothing, right? And I, and I can get them started on the path. Um, for me personally, and this isn't every agent, but for me personally, I want to work with someone that wants to work with me. If you start having a conversation with me and you realize for whatever reason, our personalities just don't gel, I don't want you to have to be forced to work with me. I would rather you go find somebody that can gel with you because I don't want to make that process unbearable for you. I, I want to make the process easier. That's my biggest goal with my buyers and my sellers is I know this process backwards and forwards. I've had my Massachusetts license um, since 2012. I am so happy I got my New Hampshire license this year because I live right on the border of Massachusetts and New Hampshire. But the actual process, I could spew it out to you. If you said, Shemai, what do you need to do to buy a house? I could tell you the whole process and then I could tell it to you again. And I'm okay with that. I, I have a little bit of that educator. I'm not a teacher, but I was a trainer. I have a little bit of that educator mentality and I like to help people. I, you know, I want them to 
to know that I'm there for them throughout the process. Um, I'll hold your hand if you need it. Uh, if you're more of a person that says, you know, I'll tell you when I find something I want to take a look at, that's fine with me as well. Um, there are some agents that aren't like that though. They'll, they, you know, and it, and I completely understand it, right? When when you run into an agent that is constantly pushing you, you know, oh, well, let's go look at this, let's go look at that. And you're realizing mm, they're not under, they don't get me, right? I've had buyers tell me that, that they've worked with other agents that are like, oh, all they do is send me listings all day long. And it's not, I'm telling them, I don't even want to look in that town, right? They're not really listening to their, their buyer, their client, right? Um, I'm not pushy. <laughs> Because again, I, you know, it doesn't serve me to push someone into a home that then let's say, let's say I did, right? Like, hypothetical situation. I push someone to purchase a home because I, right, the goal, right? I don't make any money until after the closing, until after that deal is signed, that's when I actually get paid. So there are a lot of agents that they push, 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 push. But then let's say you end up hating that house. You're unlikely to work with me again in the future if you're going to buy another home. You're unlikely to refer me to somebody else. Real estate is a huge referral business. So I build those relationships with my clients, with my buyers and my sellers because I like them, because I want to build that relationship. But then that also assists with that referral business that, you know, making sure that I'm good to my buyer, that I'm good to my clients. Yeah. And then, you know. Absolutely. They're sharing me. Brand reputation is huge. And I think a lot of people make that mistake of settling for the short sale and forgetting that there is an entire future that they need to be thinking about. And I think in any type of profession, anytime we're looking to collaborate with someone, you really want to find a very educated friend. Sort of like having that BFF who is just really smart about whatever it is that you're doing. And that's the person that I want to work with, whether I'm going car shopping or buying a house or making a business decision. I want to be able to talk to someone who uses language that I can actually understand, but I also have full faith that they are very smart in whatever it is that they're helping me with so that they're explaining it to me in a way where they are thinking about all the things that need to be thought about, but still empowering me to be the one to make that decision. And I think that is really important. What is one thing, if you were gonna pass on one piece of advice to help someone be a little bit more successful-ish as a homeowner, what's one thing that you would tell someone to start with? one big thing to be more successful as a homeowner is look at your home and see what it is that you want to do. So let's say you purchase that home because you plan on living there forever. Great. Then let's go ahead and figure out how to make that your forever home. But if it is the home that you're planning on selling, or it is a home that you plan on keeping, but renting, um, I think about like my multifamily, my rental income. I lived in one of the units for a number of years before I started renting it. And there are probably tons of things I could have done in that unit. Um, but really I kept it pretty simple. I didn't want to do too much to it to make it my own, knowing that at some point I was going to be renting it. Right? I didn't believe I was going to be living in that unit forever. And so as a homeowner, understanding, you know, figuring out what is, what did I purchase this home for, right? Is this the home that I plan on, you know, 
living in forever? Am I bringing friends here? Am I bringing family here? Am I hosting, you know, holidays here, whatever it is. Um, that's as a homeowner. Can I answer the question differently as sure. well? Sure. So then if I were to completely start over and say being more successful in or being as successful as you can be in the home purchasing process mm -hmm. is to go in with an understanding of what it is you're looking to purchase. And so I want to give a specific example. I had worked with a buyer for a number of months who they knew what they were pre-approved for. They knew they had the number, I had the number, but the, every home that we would go into, they had unrealistic expectations of what that amount of money was going to per, was going to buy them. And we had we had a number of conversations around it. And no matter what I showed them, they couldn't get their head around what they could actually afford. So they were never going to purchase a home. Right. And that's another reason why I say you know, the big first step is to get that pre-approval because you don't want to be falling in love with a million dollar home while we all want them if you can't financially afford it. And um, to be realistic with your agent, with your realtor to say, look, this is how much I can afford. This is where I'm looking. That way the agent, your, you know, your realtor can actually go help you find that specific home. Yeah. I mean, that's solid advice, even outside of the real estate world of just in general to know where you're going so that you can get there. That's huge. And it's something that really is underutilized is just that process of not just creating a roadmap, but even just giving ourselves space to have this, this vision and this idea of this is what I want this is what I want my life to look like. This is where I want to go. This is what success looks like to me. And one thing that has been really crazy through starting this podcast and asking different people their definition of success and all these questions related to success is that people have very strong opinions about whether or not they're successful and the objective pieces of what success is. Whereas very few people actually have thought about their definition of success. And so I think it puts us in a place where we sort of trick ourselves into thinking that we're failing when we've never actually stopped to question what metrics we're running after. And how are we gonna know once we found success if we don't know what success looks like? So I think that just that whole idea of having a vision, having a map, figuring out what we want and how to get there is hugely important in all aspects of life. So Shemai, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your wisdom and would love to hear from any of you listening. If you have questions about the home buying process or if this episode sparked anything for you, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram at embracetheish. Success and fail, not on opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know what a bend. The attitude will affect destination. 
interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes makes life rich. Live in every moment successful-ish. Live between successes makes life rich. Live in every moment successful-ish. Hey, successful another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions hey, to see. I'm successful -ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my hey, sleeve. Successful-ish. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, pop behind me, most steps. Had to swear the learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through in the past, just look back. Successful-ish, you can see how the contrast fires and wins. Use the past and the bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Figure it's a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see, I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Happy teaching me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals and a few look toasome. Can't take them back cause you already spoke them. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused. Focus, live between success and every moment. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. I'm successful-ish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve